Hi everybody, welcome to Lost Floors Church and thanks for joining us as we continue in our sermon series, Being Happy. And basically we're looking at the Beatitudes, which are the beginning of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. You can find those in Matthew chapter 5. I'm going to start by just reading to you what we've already gone through and then we will dive into today's Beatitude about being happy. And so here's how we start. Matthew chapter 5 verse 1. One day as he saw the crowds gathering, Jesus went up in the mountainside and sat down. His disciples gathered around him and he began to teach them. And he said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the land. And so over the last couple weeks, we've looked at these. The first one was this idea of being poor in spirit was basically those people that are happy fall in love with God and his word. Last week, we talked about the idea that those who mourn are actually those that are compassionate for other people. They show this love and compassion for themselves and for other people. And also last week, we covered this idea of being meek, which no one likes being meek because it sounds like weak. But in all reality, it's a controlled strength. It's this virtue of of walking in the guidance of God. And those are the people, Jesus says, that will be happy. The word he uses, the word blessed is makarios, which means a state of being happy. It's not you're happy due to your circumstances, it's just you're in the state of happiness because you're doing these things. Today, we're gonna to look at this verse, verse six, that says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled, or they will be satisfied. And so happy are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness. I'm going to start with this idea of hungering and thirsting. Jesus is using this, this physical example to illustrate this spiritual point. Now, in our world, we're very rarely hungry. Now, I know we go on diets and we do different things that, that from time to time we may feel really thirsty. We may feel hungry, but not many of us have hungered. And not many of us have really been to the point where, man, you are about to die because you don't have a drink. And I think we need to look at that and understand that a little bit more. Maybe we don't have to try it. But I, I was just reminded this week of my days of wrestling. If I go all the way back to high school, my freshman year, to make the varsity team, I had to lose a lot of weight because I, I couldn't beat the guy at the 119-pound weight class, so I had to go down to the 112-pound weight class. No big deal. I was just a freshman in high school. I was pretty small. I weighed 120 pounds or so, and, and so I lost that weight. Eight pounds when you're skinny is pretty difficult to lose, and then, but the problem was once I made that weight, I started to gain weight throughout the year. And, and at some point in the year, I'd get up to 125 to almost 130 pounds. And in one week's time, week after week, I had to lose all that weight. And I still remember how much I learned to hate wrestling. I, I, I wasn't focused on, on wrestling practice. I wasn't focused on schoolwork. All I was focused on is I wanted to eat. It became my singular focus. And I remember I was so excited when that year was over because I got to eat. <laughs> Every week I got to eat. I mean, this 
this desire in us as humans, we have to eat to stay alive. We have to drink water to stay alive. And, and so at some point in us, if we are depleted in that, it becomes our singular focus to keep us alive. And so here Jesus, again, is using this physical example to describe this spiritual truth that when we hunger and thirst after righteousness, it literally, well, it keeps us alive. It fills us when we finally get that righteousness. And so, so when we think about this hungering and thirsting, it, it, it makes sense, right? We're hungering and thirsting after the way that God wants us to be or to live our lives. It, Kenneth Bailey, who's a famous theologian, talking about this verse, he tells a story about going through the Sahara Desert and him and his comrades, they didn't take enough water. And less than halfway across the desert, they ran out of water. And, and, and as they are going, he literally is at a point where he thinks he is going to die unless he gets water. And he said in that moment, he realized as he thought about this verse that Jesus shares with this crowd, and, and this is what Kenneth Bailey says, as I staggered on, my mind turned to this verse, and I knew that I had never sought righteousness with the same single-minded passion that I now gave to the quest for water. And so Kenneth Bailey has this realization that, oh my goodness, if you really hunger and thirst for righteousness, it's, it's a whole other level for us. Now, Jesus is talking to a crowd of people that most likely many of them had experienced hunger, uh, unlike the hunger we experience, real hunger, like they need it to stay alive, or thirst, maybe, maybe going through the desert, they needed it to stay alive. And, and, and that's kind of the basis of this, is we are supposed to hunger and thirst after righteousness because it fills us, it satisfies us, it makes us alive. So what is righteousness? What is it that we're supposed to be hungering and thirsting after? Well, honestly, righteousness, we can't really describe it just in one way or, or one definition. It's this big theological term with, with all kinds of rich meaning. And, and it's used all throughout the Old Testament. We're going to use a lot of the Old Testament to, to kind of go through this and figure out what is this that we're supposed to be hungering and thirsting for. And, and I want to start with just a basic definition of righteousness, and, and that is it's the quality of being right in God's eyes. Uh, righteousness is us doing the right thing, acting in the right way, saying the right things by God's standards. Not by ours, but by God's. And, and so it's the act of being right in God's eyes. And, and, and so here we are, righteousness. We're going to look at three different aspects of righteousness, all coming from the Old Testament, a lot of it from Micah. But righteousness, first of all, refers to God's righteousness. And we look at God's righteousness, a lot of it is his saving acts. So God showed us his righteousness by doing things to rescue us. In Micah chapter six, it reminds the people of what God has done for them. This is what it says. My people, what have I done to you? Have I burdened you? Answer me. I brought you up out of Egypt and redeemed you from the land of slavery. I sent Moses to lead you and also Aaron and Miriam, my people, remember. 
that you may know the righteous acts of the Lord. And, and so here's a reminder to them. You, you remember you were slaves in Egypt and I rescued you. He, he sent these plagues. He, he, he parted the Red Sea. He did all these things to save his people. And, and so God's righteousness is this picture of his saving acts for us. And, and in the process of him saving his people, it's important that they get this new status. And his, the new status is they are now the people of God, God's chosen people. That's who the Israelites are. And so you take that into our world today, and we look at what's the ultimate saving act of God? Well, it's Jesus, right? God sent Jesus to earth, his perfect son, to die for us. And we need to remember it just like the people, the Old Testament people were reminded of what God did for them. We need to be reminded what Jesus did for us. And so we've got this beautiful saving act of Jesus who also gives us a new status. They became God's chosen people. We become children of God. We get that right solely because Jesus died for us. Now, the important thing to remember here and kind of the second part of righteousness that we're going to talk about today is that Jesus died for us. We didn't do anything to get this status change. We, we did nothing to become children of God except, yeah, I believe that Jesus did that for us. And so it just becomes a belief thing. We can't be righteous. That's something we need to remember. We cannot be considered righteous unless God declares us righteous. Now, recently I just heard about a church and this church has come up with this system. It's kind of a point system. It's, it's a point system for righteousness. And it sounds funny, but in all reality, we all do it. Now, I don't know what their point system is, but basically they look at if they mess up, if they do something wrong, that they lose points. But if they do something good, they gain points. And at the end of the day, they want to be ahead. At the end of their lives, they want their points to be ahead so that they're declared righteous. <laughs> now, I, I look at that and I think, okay, I'm driving down the highway and some guy cuts me off and man, I just, I lose, I start yelling at him. Oh, minus five. I, I lost five points. And, and so I immediately, I turn off that exit and I pull up the off ramp, take a dollar out and I hand it to the homeless guy on the corner. Oh, I get points back. And maybe I lost five, but I gained six by, by helping out the poor guy. And, and could you imagine living your life that way? There's two problems with that. We, we could never do that. They're too busy, right? The other part is it doesn't work that way. No matter how much good we do, we can never, ever be righteous by God's standard. Only God is righteous. And so the only way that we can become righteous is if God declares us righteous. And again, I want to go to Micah chapter 6 because he hits on this. And here's what Micah says. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn 
for my transgressions, the fruit of my body, for the sin of my soul. Now, what's Micah saying? Coming to the Lord, we have to give him thousands of rams, 10,000 rivers of olive oil. These things are impossible. In today's terms, they'd be saying, hey, give your church $10 million to be righteous. Now, we're not going to turn that down, <laughs> but it's not going to make you righteous. That's just the truth. We can't do it. And so somehow, God has to declare us righteous. And how does God declare us righteous? What what has to happen there? Well, the bottom line is there has to be a relationship there. I mentioned earlier with Jesus, we, we can become children of God. We can get that status change by believing and having a relationship with the God of the universe. It, this happened all the way back in Genesis, Genesis chapter 17. God and Abraham make a covenant Basically, they form this relationship together. And, and here's what is said in Genesis chapter 17. I will confirm my covenant with you and your descendants after you. From generation to generation, this is the everlasting covenant. I will always be your God and the God of your descendants after you. You see, our righteousness has nothing to do with our list. Our righteousness has to do with a relationship with God. Now, from that relationship, we jump into the third part of this. That, that relationship, there's got to be something from us, right? And, and I, I believe our love for God, our, our, our thankfulness for his saving acts, there has to be a response from us. Uh, something has to, has to come out of us. And so the third part of righteousness is a response to God's saving acts. It's a response to God's love for us, his desire to have a relationship with us. Justice and righteousness, they have an overlapping meaning. And when I mean justice, I mean doing what is right for those that are down and out. Doing the right thing is is justice and and so how can we how can we respond to God well I've never actually seen God I, I, I I've never actually been able to witness what he looks like and someday I believe we will get to do that when we go to heaven but the closest thing we have each other God created us in his image and so every human being you see, what are you seeing? You're seeing a bit of God. The image of God is in every human being. So the closest thing you're going to see to God on this earth is each other. And so how do we respond to God? Well, we show compassion. We show justice. We show love to those that he created. That's honestly one of the best responses we can have. And again, Micah says it like this. Again, Micah chapter 6, verse 8. He says, He has shown you, O human, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. It has it all 
right there. To, to act justly. To, to love mercy. That means love showing people mercy, love receiving mercy. It, it's this, this beautiful thing. You're going you're gonna to do well to people and you're going to be in this relationship, this humble relationship with God. You know, uh, my wife and I, just before Christmas, we went out for dinner. It was our anniversary. Our anniversary is two days before Christmas. Crazy time to get married. But we're celebrating our 26th year, and we go out for a nice dinner. And, and honestly, we spent a lot of money on that dinner. Went to a place you got to get reservations. It was really nice. And, and it, was, it was a pretty expensive meal. And we had a good time. And after it was all done, we were getting ready to head home. And we had to stop at the grocery store. And we stopped at the grocery store and we get out and we're walking in and all of a sudden a, a lady kind of surprised me. She was off in the shadows and she just asked if we had any spare change or, or some food. And obviously we had no cash. I never carried cash on me. And, and we just said, I'm, I'm sorry, we don't have any cash. And we went inside and we were looking for what we came for. And my wife, Lisa, said, well, we should just buy her a sandwich. She was just asking for something to eat. And... It's like, yeah, that's a great idea. Let's let's do that. And we, we couldn't find a sandwich in Smart and Final, but we found a whole chicken, a rotisserie chicken on, on the little wheel, and it was still hot. And, and so we got this whole chicken and a loaf of bread for this woman. And what was ironic is a whole chicken and a loaf of bread cost about a tenth of what we just paid for her meal. It, it cost almost nothing. And, and we walked out. She wasn't expecting anything, and we handed it to her, and she said, oh, I love chicken. Chicken's my favorite. She was so excited, and she was missing a whole bunch of her teeth, but she had this sweet smile, and, and there her sleeping bag is in the corner, and she's going to be sleeping for the night, but she had this warm chicken. And as we walked away, in all honesty, I didn't do much. We didn't do much. We didn't take much time out of our day, but this act of justice made me feel so good. And as we drove home, we, we talked about just this simple act and how it fills us. And, and that moment makes me think of how we are to respond to God. And when we respond to God with justice and righteousness and, and living in a way that is showing God that we love and we love his people. Guess what it does? It fills us. It satisfies us. And, and so our response to this love of God, our response to him saving us, giving us a new status, it's to love him and to love his people. It, we go back to this idea, the quality of being right in the eyes of God. In God's standard. It, now, Jesus warns some, well, many people in the New Testament about self-righteousness. We need to be careful when we're talking about righteousness, that it's not our standard. It, I, I've been tempted over the years to be righteous, to please my peers, so that people will see me. It's kind of like me telling you about giving the homeless woman this to, this idea that, oh, I did this, and now look at me. It wasn't me. It was this small little act. But we don't do that to please ourselves. We don't do that to please other people. Now, I'm going to be honest. I like getting praise from people. But our acts of 
righteousness should not be to please people. And there's also the idea that when we are looking at ourselves as righteous, look at all that I'm doing, it's pretty easy to look at other people and see that, man, they don't measure up. They're not living the righteous life like I am. And it's easy to look down on people and what you've done, you've destroyed this whole thing because you'll never be filled. You'll never be filled up and satisfied from that kind of righteousness. Uh, the righteousness that Jesus is talking about here is a righteousness that begins with God. And, and it's a, a, a righteousness that, man, we respond to that and the only way we can attain it is when God declares us righteous. We get this new status. We become children of God. And humility is a big part of that. In many ways, our pursuit of righteousness is one of the highest values in humanity. Uh, to be right in the eyes of God. Not in our own eyes, but in the eyes of God. It's, it is life. That's living life. I was just thinking this week, this idea of, of hungering and thirsting for it. We've never actually hungered and thirsted. We go on a diet, but we always have food close by. We're not going to die from it, right? But I think back to early man that, man, let's say you're really hungry. Like you have to eat or you're going to die. And the only way to eat is to chase some poor deer that's going by. And, and, and the deer goes by and you've got a spear and now you've got to chase this deer. It's not just going to stand there and let you kill it. You've got to actually pursue it. You can't just go into a store and buy something. You, your life depends on you catching and killing that deer to eat it. And now, think about that is a whole other level, right? That's, that's a pursuit of, of staying alive. And so if you, you think about that, think about once you catch that deer, the excitement as you, as you skin it and you prepare it and you eat it and, oh, you're so satisfied. You're filled. But even though you're satisfied in that moment, it, that hunger will come back. Eventually, you'll have to do this process again. And as you think about hungering and thirsting for righteousness, it's the same thing. What Jesus is referring to here is not just us going, yeah, I need some righteousness. No, it's you go after it like it's the only thing on earth. You go after it like you need it to stay alive. Because in all reality, gaining righteousness makes you feel satisfied. It's the only point in life that you're going to go, ah. but just like my example of the hunter, you eventually have to go after it again. It's not a once you're there, you're, you're there. This is a, a lifetime pursuit of righteousness, of, of being right in God's eyes. And what a beautiful place to be. You want to feel alive? Pursue righteousness. Let me pray for us. Dear Heavenly Father, help us to pursue you. Help us to pursue righteousness in a single-minded way. And Lord, I pray that you would fill us, satisfy us, 
just like you promise you will do. And I pray, Lord, that this week we would, we would do that. We would pursue righteousness. We pray this in your name. Amen.